Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome, everyone, to AEW Unrestricted. Tony Schiavone and the greatest referee in the history of the world, Aubrey Edwards. Checks in the mail. Was that good enough? The intro you? It was good enough. Thanks for not getting it wrong this time. Well, you're welcome. Hey, uh, want to let you know that this is the official AEW podcast. want to let you know that part two of Fighter Fest is coming up next Wednesday, the 8th of July and 7th Central on AEW Dynamite on TNT. And our guest today is challenging John Moxley for the world championship. It's Brian Cage. How you doing, Brian? Yeah. Uh, doing pretty good. Just got done with the uh, the first gym session of the day. So my endorphins. Are Russian and I'm feeling pretty good. All right. First of how many? Uh, it, it depends. I usually don't go in more than two, though. <laughs> usually two's enough. Not more than two. That's that's reasonable. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> Let's give you the rundown of uh, Brian's accomplishments as we have them. Most of you fans already know this, so bear with me on this. It's a long list. He's known as Professional Wrestling's Ass Kicking Machine. That's on Twitter, as you know. FCW Florida Tag Team Champ. PWG World Tag Team Champ, Lucha Underground, Gift of the Gods Championship, WSW Tag Team Championship, Impact X Division Champion, Impact World Champion, Mayhem Wrestling Entertainment Heavyweight Championship, two times, the WC Ringmaster Championship, WC Sideshow Championship, and ranked in 2019, Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Top 500, ranked number 49, so he's ranked in the top 50. How about that, man? That's pretty good. It could be higher than 49, though, but whatever. <laughs> okay, well. Uh, you have to have something to strive for. Uh, we would agree. <laughs> I, I want to talk, first of all, Brian, about your decision to come to AEW as opposed to staying where you were. Uh, well, you know, there was uh, multiple factors of, of why I came here instead of staying where I was or, or going elsewhere, for that matter. I felt like not only was, uh, personally, I was more excited to come here than anywhere else. Okay. Um, that, that wasn't the, uh, you know, the BLA and all, but that's where I wanted to come. Secondly, I felt like for me to break through the barrier that, already, that like I've kind of been capped out with as far as the reach that I've had, yeah. that this would help here. And then most importantly, this place had the most amount of not only unique or awesome matches that I wanted, but so many of them are first time ever, whereas almost everywhere elsewhere, were a lot of, uh, you know, re- repeats, which isn't a bad thing, but there was just so many matches I wanted and that I haven't ever had, period, yeah. that I'm like, all right, you know, artistically speaking, I'm like, well, I feel like this would be the most fun place to go. Well, I feel like, too, if you're working with new people, it helps bring something out that's different in you as a performer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're able to uh, grow in a different way and, and have matches that, you know, because everyone kind of has – even they don't really realize it. Everyone kind of has like a structure or formula that, that they kind of work with. Yeah. That even every match is the same, like kind of like just the way you put it together is similar. So when you have somebody kind of challenges that, um, it, it makes you think outside the box and then you kind of create something different. You know, it's like doing uh, a duet, if you will, like in a, a single or something where, you know, it changes your, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, when like Mariah Carey Busta Rhymes, that's a little unique little duet that they did. So it makes, <laughs> makes something new, makes something new. I like the comparison. You had that at the ready too. I respect that. You know, I, I'm I'm a pretty good analogy guy. So, <laughs> talk about your uh, first meeting with Tony Khan, man. So, you know, I've already been on the phone with other people from other companies, and um, when I talked to Tony, I was like, during the conversation, but especially afterwards. But during the conversation, I'm like, man, this is the only guy that I'm talking to that like just sounds like some fan of wrestling. He's like, like, oh, he's a total mark, dude. dude like, like, like. Everyone sounded, you know, business oriented. Like we sound like a boss. Not only does not sound like a boss, but it sounded like you're just like somebody that you're sitting next to on the airplane. Like, oh, you watch wrestling? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh man, they just start talking to you. Like, yeah. Like right off the phone, I'm like, oh cool. Yeah, I like the sound of this. But like, when do I talk to the guy that you know that hires me? Like, who's in charge? Right. Because then it's not like it was him. It, which which is a huge compliment. Like, wow, it's so cool to have somebody that you work for not feel 
you know, like a boss. So he's one of us. I mean, she, Aubrey just said he's a total mark. I think we all are. Oh, you kind of have to be to be in this business, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Was there anything, there was anything he said to you because he knows everything, anything they said to you about that made me think, wow, he knows everything about wrestling. Well, so everyone said that about the whole, uh, like how he's such a wrestling historian. Right. When I was uh, first talking with Taz, in the middle of our conversation, he goes, oh, Tony Khan just texted me. And he goes, oh, I have it. I think you should do a voiceover for the opening of his music. This is Who Can Stop the Path of Cage. And Taz didn't even get it first. He goes, remember? Because that used to be your line back then. They used to say, who can stop the path of rage? So, so like, Taz didn't even remember his own thing that he said, but Tony did. <laughs> that wasn't directly related to me, I guess, per se. But, like, that, that popped me. I was like, oh, I did. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So, that, that was like, as pretty much Taz was telling me how much of a fan of wrestling Tony was and how he knew everything, then that happened shortly afterwards. So, like, there was, like, proof right there. Damn. So I want to talk a little bit about you joining AEW because it was a little like you had joined, but your actual on-screen debut was much delayed, unfortunately, due to an injury. So how did that, like, what was there a plan initially? Was this the plan all along and it just got pushed back or, because I, I think you were always supposed to be paired with Taz. Um, that I do not know. I didn't even know I was being <laughs> paired with Taz for like a week, a week out. I think Cody actually, Cody, Cody messed with me goes, hey, so you know what's going on and uh, maybe it's a little longer than a week. And I go, well, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm guessing they'd be on a double or nothing. And he goes, oh, has anybody mentioned to you about Taz? I went, no. And then uh, he goes, all right, let me try to reconnect you with, or connect you with Taz. And then even the ladder match, I just assumed, like, I mean, shortly, that was probably like a week out or so. I knew I was in the ladder match. But I just assumed that was me when I saw a guest participant. I'm like, oh, I'm assuming that's me then because it's going to be Mr. Guy. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's me. And then my first thought, too, was like, what? Did you say I'm coming back from injury? My first match back is a ladder match. Oh, that's not dangerous. I'm like, I'm like, well, if I'm the last guy, I get to throw everybody around. I guess we'll be, you know, probably all right. But um, I don't know what the original plan was. I know I was, uh, I was really trying to politic to get on that cruise to, to, to <laughs> debut on the cruise. Oh, dude, the cruise was legit. Next year, you got to do it. Oh, I was on the first one. I was on the first one, so I loved it. And Tony's like, "Oh, you want to do it?" Because yeah, maybe we could. Because I know it's pretty full, though. I don't know if we can find room. And uh, Obviously, that didn't happen even before the injury. It wasn't going to happen. And I guess it makes sense, too, because I don't know how surprised my debut would have been if I was chilling on the ship, you know, the whole time. And then all of a sudden, Brian's wrestling as well. Well, of course, I've been there the whole time. But uh, I just wanted to go on the cruise. And then for the sound of it, it looked like they were going to do something with me at the pay-per-view in February. And then I got hurt. So, I, I yeah, I tore my bicep uh, the day before my last day under contract. And... I saw a couple of doctors and both everyone's like, oh, well, the way it's you know, moved and the swelling and stuff, which is crazy. Actually, the complete tears usually don't have much swelling or bruising, which doesn't make sense. But a partial tear has extreme swelling and bruising. Mm-hmm. So because mine did and I saw it like full range pretty much, two different doctors I saw said like, no, you're not going to need surgery. Then after the MRI, I said it was complete tear and I needed surgery. I'm like, oh, no. And then like I was so like gutted. I'm like, here we go, man. I'm like, oh, I was like my contract's probably going to get rescinded now and like, I have to wait. And I'm like, I'm going to be sitting at home. And uh, it just, I was all defeated and depressed. And Tony was like, dude, don't worry about it. It's cool. I think that he was on the cruise when I found that out. And he goes, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you and I'll, I'll um, we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out. Don't worry. And then they're like, hey, don't worry. When he came back, we're, we're still going to sign you. We still want you part of the team. We have faith and belief in you. And it's fine. Like, we'll just, just you know, do what you can and we'll, uh, uh, we'll keep you under contract. And as soon as you can debut, then we'll, then we'll bring you on board. And then even then he was hoping, he goes, oh, maybe it'd actually be better than just have you as a big surprise for Double or Nothing, which, to play it back, I was actually supposed to be on Double or Nothing last year. Right. What happened there? And, and, and the Battle Royal. And also a surprise. Mm-hmm. It was probably about 90 minutes to showtime. I remember like a lot of the people in the Battle Royal didn't even know. And I was so stoked because almost nothing gets you know kept a, a secret really in rest anymore. So the fact that like, nobody knew, I was so stoked on that. And then uh, Impact got a, a whiff of it. And they were more mad because I was the world champion at the time that I wasn't winning. So they were mad because I was going to be in the pre-show battle royal and wasn't winning as the world champion. And I, and I get where they're coming from with that, but yeah. you have to protect the belts. I get that. But, oh, but, okay. So even then when Cody was talking to me about it, like, Hey, could you do it? I'm like, yeah, I should feel like the verbiage of my contract. Like, I should absolutely be able to do it. And this is back in November prior to the first double or nothing. And 
he's like, well, more than likely we'll probably have to put you in the Battle Royal again because we don't feel like you should be losing, but we can't put you over any of our contracted guys. And so, like, the kind of the meet in the middle was like, well, we'll put you in the Battle Royal. We can have you eliminate like, everyone, which I was eliminating quite – like, I was definitely shining huge in the Battle Royal throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, that way, when you lose, you're not winning, but you're t- you're, I'm not getting beat. You know what I mean? So You come out looking strong. Yeah, exactly. And that, I, I, I saw that. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, even with me debuting the ladder match, I wasn't sure, you know, me winning. But I was like, oh, if I lose that ladder match, the casino ladder match, it's not like anybody beat me. I just didn't win. So there's a different thing. And then, hey, you want to come say hi? My daughter's walking over here. Oh, hi. Oh, hello. Hello. What's up? So, yeah. So, they, they hit me up. And I talked to them. Are you trying to say hi? Say hi. And long story short of it, they, they pulled me off of it. And, I mean, it was still my decision just because after talking to Billy Gunn and Tommy, too, they're like, you know what? That might be the best case scenario that just, you know, you don't want to start a problem, get heat from either side right. or either company. And then it sucked because, oh, oh I, uh, well, sorry, I have a technical difficulty now. It's <laughs> a problem when you put a kid on your lap in the middle of an interview, bud. I, I know, I know. <laughs> you did this to yourself. I have no sympathy right now. <laughs> but so then I, you know, I canceled. Then I felt bad because it left them hanging last minute. So then I, I didn't get to debut. What, what do you want then, sweetheart? <laughs> so I didn't get to debut then. Then I, you know, signed. Thank gosh, they keep me signed and contracted. Even though I was supposed to, I guess, debut at the February pay-per-view. Then here comes double or nothing this year. Finally, it works out. I get to sign, but or get to debut, but there's no fans. So it's like finally, you know, third time's a charm. But then there's that, that no fan surprise pop. So right, three times I was hoping for that big because you know I know once the crowds are back, I'll still get a pop. I'll still get a reaction. But that that surprise appearance reaction is like a, a once. I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but a once in a very far time. So the fact that I uh, I didn't get it, it was a bummer. But it was it was way more exciting. Or I was at least way more excited. Than I was thinking that I would be. I was thinking like like you know I was looking forward to it, but the uh, the adrenaline that I still got from doing it and just being in that moment was still great. And then the way AEW does it with all the people around the ring help out a lot, and it's it still worked out well. And I was so stoked. And I've been extremely happy there. So definitely definitely no regrets in deciding to come aboard. How do you like working with Taz? Oh, uh, great, great. You know, even with Taz, do go back to him. You think of Taz, the first thing you think of is you know Taz Mission Suplex Machine mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, him just, you know, dropping people on their heads, suplexing through tables, where all his hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm. He's a great commentator. I've always liked his commentating. You're right. But the first thing pops up to me is his promos. And it wasn't until I was standing next to him when he was cutting a promo that I went, oh, yeah. Dad's had some hell of good promos before. I'm like, oh, man. I like – just because – and it's not like he's saying it was ever bad. It's just not the first thing that you that resonates when you think of Taz. And uh, I was like – I was – I don't want to say, like, I didn't know he was good. It just – I, like, forgot. It just didn't pop in my head. I was like, oh, man. Taz is killing it, so it's been it's been great. And then I, and then, you know, if I have a problem with something, I can just pass the eight to Taz. But no, 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 Taz isn't <laughs> right. like that. You got to play it with him. Yeah, it, it seems Taz has always been the type of guy who's been able to give great promos. And I've always said that if you can have great promos, which you guys have been doing, I know you've been talking on some of the promos as well. It makes that title match mean a lot more. Oh, for sure, for sure. And Moxley's great too. So like, yeah, Moxley is tremendous. Taz go back and forth. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Right. I know that you uh, recently had, you threw Moxley through the car, like that whole promo process. Like I'm just watching that going, what the fuck is this? It's so great. How does something like that come about? Because like as a ref, I don't really ever think about promos. I just get to sit back and watch. How does something like the parking lot promo come together in AEW? Uh, Well, I just went out there and beat him up. Sweet. Awesome. Next question. (laughs) That's how it comes together. I was like, what? I want to throw him through this car? Okay, I can do that. Yeah. That's all I had. That, that was my input in that, in that scene. Yeah, but, but you know, you, you get something when you've got an object like that, so many things can go wrong, right? I mean, it really can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, it was, you only got one take too. So like. Right. Yeah, sure. we're not going to get you a second car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we already paid you to sit on your ass for four months. You ain't getting a second car. <laughs> you know what's good too is actually, that was one of my first cars too, is, uh, is a Chevy Cruze. I used to have that car, so. <laughs> It was, it was nice that I got to little, little throwback. Going back to being paired with Taz, also nice little, I guess, coincidental connection too is I originally met Taz in Impact, where I was before too, when I was doing the gut check. Though I didn't win the gut check, which also I think I'm the only guy that ever lost the gut check that also became Impact World Champion. But but Taz actually was for me. So that's you guys were for the other guy. But Taz was for me. So so you look, there already was a little, a little inkling connection. I don't know how long it was, seven years ago or whatever, but... 
Okay, we are talking with Brian Cage, and we're going to talk more about uh, his career before he came to AEW and about uh, how he learned a lot from some former professional wrestlers like Norman Smiley and the late Chris Canyon. We'll talk about all that on AEW Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted, official podcasting, all elite wrestling. We've got Brian Cage here with me and Tony, talking a lot about how he got into AEW, overcoming injury, missing out on the first double or nothing, eventually coming back. But now we want to talk a little bit about what, like, where you came into wrestling. I know initially it's written here that your influences are the three C's, the yes. Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, and Chris Canyon. That is correct. Wow, that's the first time anybody's ever quoted that to me. I was have to quote that. So I actually just told Chris, I just had a, a little uh, sit down, if you will, with, with Jericho at the last uh, Dynamite. And I, I mentioned that to him too as well. But um, yeah, that, that's that the, the combination of the three was like my like, uh, like perfect hybrid like wrestler as far as like the intensity, the physique, the charisma, the agility, the moves of the mic work. Everything I thought like those three were. If only Canyon was Canadian, then it'd be the Canadian Chris's. But Ooh. but it, it didn't happen that way. So and to throw out there too, I've actually gotten from credible sources. One being Norman Smiley too. I know Tony talked about Norman Smiley earlier. I've gotten compared individually to the three of them in separate times too. So that to me is kind of like a, a nice feather in my cap and a little sense of accomplishment. That's awesome. You, you had a, you had a, a very good uh, friendship with Chris, the late Chris Canyon, who I knew very well and was a trilla, just a tremendous performer in the ring. And I know as a big guy, you do some high flying stuff as well. Does the, was that his influence on you? Um, the high flying stuff? No. Um, I, I didn't even, it was funny. I never even like, when I was even smaller, I never really did a whole lot of high flying stuff. I did a couple of things like mess around on crash pads, and that just kind of like developed. Uh, Canyon's moose or uh, style was more developed uh, in my wider array of, of, of moves or innovative offense. Right. Because that's what, hold on, hold on, you know what? Look, time one second, let me get her occupied. For <laughs> okay. Okay. If you're not watching on video, uh, Brian Cage is, and his beautiful daughter, he's taking her. And it sounds like he's got a house full of kids here, doesn't it? Yeah, he's got a two-year-old and I think a thirteen-year-old. Wow. Yeah, he's he's got a he's got a whole pack, man. I would say that I miss those days, but you don't. But I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I get asked a lot, "Are you having kids?" And I'm like, mm, "Cats are enough. I'm fine." <laughs> you're not you're not having kids? No, God no. Okay, uh, breaking news <laughs> on AEW Unrestricted: <laughs> Aubrey Edwards is not having kids. Nope, my uterus is remaining a desert. <laughs> Okay, that was <laughs> that was a little bit more than we needed to know. Sorry, but I know she was like uh, next to the mic the whole time. It's okay. We're just talking. You missed it. We're talking about my uterus since we were talking about Tony's erection wow. earlier. Wow, so so many different things. So many different things. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we are fully functional, so to speak, uh, if you like to use that term. Uh, so we were talking about Chris Canyon, the innovator of offense, and what he brought, and uh, certainly I was a huge fan of Canyon when I was a kid. Uh, like back in the junior high days, and it was all like his moves. So like every time I saw him, he'd always do something new, right? In a very of offense. Right. Later on, too, when I started wrestling, that's like what I, I wanted. Everyone wants to have the match of the night, but if not the match of the night, then I would strive to have somebody be like, oh, my gosh, that one spot or that one movie did, or I've never seen that before because that's what I felt every time I watched Canyon. So that really became part of my offense. And one of my old monikers was like the multi-move Paragon, mm. kind of a play on the innovative offense. And then um, the, also the, the GMSI, the Mr. GMSI get my shit in uh, moniker also came from that because I used to always try to do something cool or do too much stuff. And everybody's like, oh, Brian Cage, always got to get his shit in, always got to get his shit in. <laughs> uh, and just one time backstage, I was like, yes, right? So I'm Mr. Get My Shit In. And I went, hey. So that's, that's smart. Let's use that. <laughs> Sign your developmental contract with WWE in 2008. Talk about that deal. Actually, because of uh, an roundabout way of uh, me befriending Canyon and getting some opportunities uh, through him, led to me getting booked as an extra through a loop in California, and uh, and which led to me getting signed there. I uh, I got pulled to the side by Jamie Noble, and I went and talked to Johnny Ace, and uh, they're like, they're all hopped up, and uh, Johnny Johnny Ace is like, oh yeah, man, I'm gonna watch a match. Come make sure you come talk to me afterwards. And Noble's like. Yeah, boy, we're going to get you signed tonight. And I was working. Shannon Moore, who I knew, 
from Canyon and uh, Jimmy Wang Yang, who's a huge fan of Master. I wasn't even nervous at all. Not even a little bit of nervousness. I was so like pumped up and ready. Felt so good. Uh, Master's been great. I remember from watching it. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Wang Yang gets the hot tag, and I'm selling around, feeding around. And Jimmy comes off with this huge crossbody. Always a big fan of his crossbody. Like, oh, I'm going to take this so, so good. So I jump up in the air so high. I catch him. We come down, and he hits me so high, and I go up, I jump up so much that we turn like this, and he lands right on top of my head. Oh, completely no. Knocked, completely knocked out. Stiff arms and everything. I go limp. He peppers my partner off the corner, and he's like, he waits for me to like feed up for the comeback, and I'm not there. So he runs over and he shoot kicks me. <laughs> like, get, what the hell, kid? Get up. And then the referee like realizes like I'm done. And he's like, oh, go home, go home. He's over. So he pins me one, two. As the commentator says, Shivani, I still kick out on instinct. And the referee just goes, ah, three, ring the bell. Oh my God. <laughs> they go to shit, came me out of the ring. And the referee's like, no, he's hurt, he's hurt. So they let go. And I'm standing there like drunk selling, like put my dukes up, 30 style boxing. And, uh, and then I just go limp again. And I fall backwards and my head just goes, do, 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 down all three ropes. Oh. Uh, the whole day was like gone. I, like I said, I only remember this from watching the, the video. And everything was gone and forgotten. And I was, I was wasted from it. And uh, the next day, uh, I didn't get to do anything because it was concussed. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, think? <laughs> and I, uh, I asked, you know, Noble, hey, hey, what happened? Did you talk to Ace? He goes, oh, I'll try to talk to him and we'll, we'll see what happens. End of the night, he never talked to him. And he goes, you know, don't worry. We got your information. We're going to Australia for a couple of weeks. And, you know, we'll reach out to you or whatever. And I'm like, okay, thanks. And I was like, you know what? No, it sucks. That, that doesn't work for me. So I'm like, where's Ace? So I'm looking for Johnny Ace now. I'm like kind of buying my time, staggering around. I keep seeing him. And he's uh, always occupied talking to somebody. And it's fine. I go, all right, forget it. I'm just going for it. So I walk up there. And I go, excuse me, sir. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I put my hand out to shake his hand. And he just looks at me like disgusted and goes, yeah, okay, well, that's what you're doing. And he turns his back to me and just walks away. And I'm like, oh, damn. Oh. Like he was so high on me the day before. Like, oh, we're signing this kid for sure. To like, all right, get the hell out of here. So I was like, man. And I was like depressed for like a moment. I was like, whatever. You know, I, I wanted to come here and just do a good job and hopefully get booked again. I was like, I had Rod the next day because he pre-recorded two SmackDowns from to Australia. And I figured, uh, well, I'll go eat some catering. I'll hang out, whatever. Like, make the best of it. And uh, we'll just jump forward. Like, right as we got done with everything. And uh, I did do some ring work that day because people, I guess, Rod didn't know I was concussed. As soon as I leaned against the wall, I changed out of my, my workout gear. He came up and he tapped me on the shoulder. He pulled me into his room and um, he was all sorry. I was a dick to you. Like, but when you, uh, you know, say, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Technically, you are interrupting. So and I'm like, oh, okay. Then he goes, but I'm glad that you did, which also sends mixed signals. It's like, hey, you shouldn't have done that because you are interrupting me. But I'm glad that you did because it showed me you're persistent. So I want to offer you a contract. So I'm like, well, okay. So he was just like, oh, so you willing to go to Florida? I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. He goes, okay, go find Carano. Welcome to the team. I'm like, did I just get signed? What the hell just happened? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So that was that was that was the the goal too. Like I I was 24 then, and I told everyone through high school and junior high and stuff. I was like, I guarantee by the time I'm 24, I'll be signed to WWE. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't go on to main event WrestleMania, obviously, but the whole WWE uh, accomplishment was was checked off, and uh, I got to experience that, and it's cool. But like now. After several up, back and forths and up and downs uh, with them since being released from them too, as soon as I like, I let go of the desire, like that I ha- or that need that I had to be there, my life personally and professionally just went so much better. I'm not like some like super, you know, anti them and like oh f them and whatever. But uh, I've done well without them, and so if I never have to go back there, then I'm happy with that. Well, we're happy to have you. So exactly, exactly. I this is. More, you know, I've only been here for a few weeks, but you know, this is my home to stay until I'm done doing this. No, no complaints on my end so far. So very good. So you move on to uh, PWG. You're in 2010. You're there. How was that? Uh, that's uh, that's pretty much that's kind of like a cult. Oh, you know, in a way, yeah. <laughs> I see. Isn't it? <laughs> well, well, it is. It was like the first super indie. So like you know, because indies, especially when I first started, they weren't. There was no like over indie, and you weren't making any money. It's just kind of the you know the the right to passage, right? And but PWG is where everybody wanted to be, and that's like it's crazy how like you get so known and booked and paid so much better everywhere else just from working this little you know show in LA. Like you know, I'd go to some show and it's a difference maker. Yeah, yeah, some some pla- random place way northeast Canada I've never been to, 
and then you know all my chants and taunts and stuff. I'm like, what? I've never been here. Like, because you don't you don't realize how much of a spread this little independent show in LA has. But oh, it was a blast. It was a blast. It's it's one of uh, the most fun periods I had. I worked there for like a little over seven years. But yeah, I mean the the, the crowd. That was like the first like super rabid fans. Right. Uh, you know, it was like all the best of the best from like all over the place. It was it was great. Going to Lucha Underground in 2014 as Cage. Talk about your time there. So when I moved to LA after I got released from FCW, I uh, there was a AAA tryout in Van Nuys, California, and I, I kind of thought it was like fake. And I went there because <laughs> it just it just the way it was pronounced. I'm like, like what is this real? And I went there, and Conan was there, and it was legit. And uh, you know, I killed it. And Conan was stoked on me, and he wanted to bring me in. It was real bad financial times, I think, for AAA then. And that's when, mm. like, a lot of uh, a lot of big, like, drug stuff and killing and stuff was happening on Mexico. So he's like, hey, it's probably not, you know, best. He goes, but don't worry. We're actually working on doing something to bring AAA to the States. It took several years, but eventually it became Lucha Underground. Hmm. So he, he told me, you know, quite a few months before it happened, like, okay, it's finally happening. Here's the deal. And even then, it seemed so, like, uh, uncertain, like – uh, I know a lot of people, I think Ricochet just said this too, about how it seemed like very WSX-ish. I thought it'd be a really short-lived thing, mm-hmm. be kind of a cool, just a blink in the eye, maybe a quick payday, and that was that. And uh, I could have been more wrong. It was so cool. My first day there was it was tremendous. It was very, I was been relating my first time to AEW, once I was there for Double or Nothing, to the Lucha Underground, because both just the treatment, it wouldn't feel like you're just like a replaceable, you know, just whatever wrestler, like in, at the wrestling companies. It felt like, oh, you were somebody, like, like like AEW, it kind of feels like they're treating you like a professional athlete, and like Blue Underground, like a lot of TV production stuff, they felt like they t- treated you like a professional actor. So it was like, right, the treatment was just like above that of just being like you know whatever wrestler. But it was it was a blast, man, and that that was still in the crowd that could rival PWG and that fan base. And like even then, like we never had like a huge arena, that little packed little studio that we do. I mean, those those fans almost sounded like twenty thousand fans. They were just so rabid. It was awesome. It's just a fantastic show. Oh, it was so good. I, actually, too, my, a good quote I like say that too is I, I want to be wrestling my whole life. But it wasn't until Lucha Underground, even though like, you know, I accomplished the whole WWE thing, which was like, I feel like everybody's kid's dream, you know, when they're growing up. But uh, it wasn't until I got to Lucha Underground that I, I felt how I thought I'd feel at 10 years old to be a pro wrestler. So that, that's, oh. I, 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 yeah, it was great. So I, I signed to WWE, you know, when I was 24, like I, I wanted to, but like, being a Lucha Underground is like, well, I was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Mm, that's awesome. Also, during your time in Lucha Underground, you uh, you had a, a kind of a life-changing moment when you met Melissa, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm over, bro. Of course. <laughs> 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 She's not here, so I can yeah, say that. That's old uh, school, man. That's, that's <laughs> an- <laughs> There was, I remember too, like she walked by like, uh, this like little green room of ours. And she walked by and she stuck in. Like, I don't remember what she said. And she walked down. I go, who is that? And uh, I knew she was a wrestler because I would know her. But I knew she wasn't just somebody. You know, I'm like, like oh, she looks way too good. Just be some random. And uh, it was like, oh, that's a ring announcer. And then I was like, oh. And like, you know, you just, guy, it's the, the guy face. You look at the guy, and you're like, oh, yeah. And he like gives you the face. You're like, oh, yeah. Like, wow, yeah. Whoa. So. <laughs> The guy face, yes, sir. <laughs> the guy, like, like you know, you know, what I'm talking about Tony. You're yes, like, I hey. do. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, ladies have the same face. We're just much better at hiding it from you guys. <laughs> Baloney. Well, I, I think I, I don't know if we really care about hiding it. It's just like I, I feel the same way. Like if I'm if I'm walking with Melissa, for instance, like I've had that work. So a guy looks at her, then looks at me, then he gives me the face. It's almost like a seal of approval. <laughs> like, okay, touche, touche, absolutely. Good job, brother. Good job, brother. <laughs> And I remember too, like the, I didn't really talk to her a whole lot during the first season, but I do remember like I did a, we did this promo deal where they asked us like a bunch of questions. And one of them was like, oh, who's your favorite, you know, Luchadora for me or like Luchadora for her. And uh, I did it and then she did hers and I'm like snacking on something. She came out and I was just giving a hard time. I'm like, so, uh, so they told me that the, uh, that you thought or that I was your favorite wrestler. And she was like, oh, they told you. And I was like, no. I was like, but yeah, apparently you just did because I was just pressing your balls. But I was like, oh, well, perfect. But uh, it, it was more uh, actually after season one because like, we were cool. But again, I didn't talk to her a whole lot. And I don't even know how it started where she like asked me for some help on some shows. Actually, she, I got her to announce uh, a PWG show once when uh, uh, the regular ring announcer there couldn't make it. And then, uh, yeah, we just started talking and hanging out more. And I never thought anything would come of it. And yeah, 
fast forward, you know, then we got together, then we had a child and we got married and here we are. So. And an on-screen writing too, didn't you? An impact. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got married like 17 times. I mean, between like. <laughs> right. Cause you had the bar wrestling, the bachelor party and yeah, yeah, the wedding. Yeah, yeah. I proposed to, yeah. And I proposed to her so many times too, cause it was the actual proposal. Then there was like this fun for us, like re-proposal, then another proposal in wrestling, then the impact proposal. I'm like, how many times have you proposed, got married? Like, I don't know. So It's such a good storyline. Everybody wanted it. <laughs> I hope she didn't think we're having that many anniversaries because that's not happening. <laughs> like, <laughs> how much involvement do you have in the creative process for your own on-screen wedding? The actual wedding itself, no, we didn't have a whole lot of creative process at all. But I did, I did, I did really enjoy it. I thought they did a really good job at it. And I'm glad it wasn't just the regular like hole in the wall would come out and the wedding gets crushed. I kind of leaded the whole ceremony and they involved like every other, everyone else's storylines. It was, it was a really fun episode. And originally uh, when they brought Melissa in, it was to have a tag match with us. And I don't know who we were going to face, but she, she actually, we had a match at bar wrestling on New Year's Eve. The year, so it'd be like, you know, 2018, 2019 New Year's Eve. And she, uh, she actually tore her ACL when we went to try a couple moves, like we were, we were at the zoo for Christmas and she was doing this cool dance move. She's a big dancer. And it was like, it was like a, a cool looking 540 kick kind of. I'm like, well, do that again. Like she's just dancing around, messing around. I'm like, dude, you can totally make that like this sweet kick. And I, we went to do a try as we're going over some stuff and just training for the match. And it was like two days before she was like really scared to like throw the kick. And I'm like, he'll put his hands up. It's fine. You're, you're, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. If he doesn't block it, it's his fault. Right. Yeah, exactly. And she goes, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, just, just do it. She goes, I'm going to, I'm going to go slow through it. So instead of like, and which is a very momentum filled move. So she goes, you know, kind of slow and kind of half ass it just to get the timing down. And the canvas was loose. So her foot got stuck in the canvas. So she like, spun, she spun her foot, say planned and there went her ACL. Uh, so, so yeah, no, it sucked. But so that's why it became the angle that it became. We did the wedding stuff and it was just, you know, she was the, the damsel in distress as opposed to like the tag match. But I still thought that it was it was fun to do uh, do the wedding and have the whole angle because like we were together at Lucha Underground since like season two. I love how everything's you know people think wrestling's all so fake until they think everything's real. Like it's it's such a weird balance because then when they thought that we were together, everybody because on Lucha Underground she was with Phoenix the whole like series, and then like when they thought that we were together that she's pregnant for like years, I was like, well, but what about Phoenix? What about Phoenix? Like. It's a TV show, especially Lucha Underground. It wasn't even like a wrestling show. It's like a TV TV show. I'm like, how can you guys think everything about wrestling is like, everyone's critique and think it's all so fake, but then like, they'll take something that totally is fake. I'm like, no, it's so real. They're not really together. Like, we're so heartbroken. I'm like, sorry, guys. Oh, my God. Yeah. I got <laughs> Listen, Brian, uh, before uh, we go to the next subject, I, I go through that because my wife thinks this thing with Britt Baker is real. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've seen her phone background. You're still on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Speaking of that, it's with the wife heat, right? Because well, there's no wife. <laughs> I, I jokingly, she just said it like two nights ago. She said something about Phoenix, about getting like the little masks, like the, the, the uh, oh, the little COVID masks. Yeah, 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 which looked dope. But uh, she's like, oh, yeah, I'll get the Phoenix one. He's like, oh. And she looked at me and she's like, my TV boyfriend. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. And I go, really? I'm like, well, I can't wait until Debbie's like, oh, Brian, we need to make you a TV girlfriend. She's like, no, that's not going to happen. I was like, oh, it's, it's okay for you to have a TV boyfriend, but I can't have a TV girlfriend. I'm like, you see the, you see the hypocrisy there? So I feel you, I feel you, Tony. I feel you. Yeah, that's the hypocrisy. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even know that this was a thing. Oh, God. <laughs> Suddenly when Phoenix comes back from injury, we've got whole new storylines at play. <laughs> well, you know what? He had this really awesome Wolverine mask uh, that he made. He had a, a, t- a short term of like all these different Marvel ones. And Wolverine's my favorite Marvel superhero. Hence all my Wolverine monikers and such. Anyways. I was like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. Like, I put it over. To, I didn't even ask for it. He goes, oh, oh, for you. And I go, what? I can have it? He goes, oh, yeah, see me. I'm like, no way, really? He goes, yeah. I'm like, oh. And then I go, oh, it's because I let you borrow my girlfriend, so you give me the mask. I get it. It's cool. I'll tell you. <laughs> let you borrow my girlfriend. Uh, yeah. I think that's a great line to go on break. Uh, <laughs> we're talking to Brian Cage on AEW Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted. Aubrey Edwards and Tony Schiavone here with Brian Cage talking a lot about wrestling and TV girlfriends and not TV girlfriends. <laughs> so one of the things that I'm uh, really excited to talk about, um, and I think I even asked you like the first time we worked together on Dynamite, I'm like, dude, how many calories do you eat in a day? 
like, I, and I give you a detailed answer. You did, which was really great because you're like, that was probably more detailed than you wanted. I'm like, no, that was actually exactly what I wanted to hear. And you're you're telling me this as you're just eating. <laughs> and it's interesting because like right now in, in like the COVID era, all of our catering is like individual sides are all on their own little styrofoam containers. And Brian walks in with fucking like 12 of them. <laughs> just Oh, this is like probably the first helping. So... <laughs> so so you're a body guy, obviously. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, I guess so, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. You and Taz both. I mean, I've been called the greatest body guy of our generation, but it's cool. You know, whatever. Oh, it's oh, cool. just, just putting that one out there. Just, Let's get it right. If people want to start using that, they're more than welcome to. Okay. Have you always been like the biggest guy? Like, No, no, no. I mean, I was uh, I was always like intrigued by fitness, but it wasn't really until uh, I graduated high school that I really got into it. Like, I was a big skateboarder. Wow. Actually, Darby and Alan and I have talked many skateboarding stories, which uh, we just did the, the AAA Mad Square Garden Show last year, and we we're coming out, and there's a big skate team out there. And some guy's like, oh, man, John Cena, John Cena, to me, muscularly. <laughs> like, oh, what's up? Like, oh, they're like saying something. I'm trying to crack a joke, and there's a skateboard just sitting there. So I jumped on it, and I kick flipped, and I'm like, oh! <laughs> and their minds were blown. I started doing all the tricks, and everybody's losing it. But um, I was a huge skateboarder, and I wasn't probably more than like, a buck fifty-five, like probably at the end of high school. Ooh. I did a, I did a bunch of backyard wrestling back then because that was like the popular thing to do. My other friends that did it were like, you know, one twenty-five, one thirty. So in comparison, I was like the big guy, uh, even though I wasn't. And I was like, you know what? This isn't going to cut the mustard. I want to go to a training school and I want to become a wrestler. I'm like, I got to look the part. I want to walk in looking like I belong, not you know, just getting my money taken. So my PE teacher from sophomore year knew how much I wanted to be a wrestler. And uh, he's like, hey, I have summer school. If you want, I can open up the gym for you. So every morning I'd get up at 7 during the summer, and I would jog to my high school, and he'd let me in, and I'd start working out. And through that, I just fell in love with, like, bodybuilding and training. And even then, I had, my goal wasn't to get, like, this size. Um, ultimately, it just kind of happened. But, uh, I mean, yeah, no, I, mean, I love it, and I love the fact that people see me and instantly. And for some of those still at AEW don't know my full resume, I love actually – at first, it was an insult, but then I love it when people are like, oh, great, some bodybuilder trying to be a wrestler. When I'm not, I'm actually just a wrestler who happens to bodybuild. And then when they see me actually go and have a, a match and you know how, how long I can go and my conditioning, my movement, my timing, everything, like, oh, crap, hold on. This is actual wrestler. Like, like yeah, then I feel like that's helped. I mean, not only with certain things I do, but then obviously with my look, I walk out the curtain, I stand out. But then when I get in the ring and then I don't perform like anybody else who looks like me, then I stand out again. So... It's kind of a nice, nice benefit. Right? I, I think so. I think so. But now it's like a prerequisite. I mean, good thing. I love it. And like if I was to stop wrestling tomorrow, I would still live this lifestyle of eating all the food and working out all the hours and whatever because I, I enjoy that. That's really why I work out as much as I do is just because I like eating like shit. <laughs> give, us a, a day, give us a day in the life of Brian Cage eating and working out. How does that? Well, okay. I'll just uh, – I'll use today's example because everybody goes, okay. I'll be like, hey, well, what'd you eat tomorrow? People like want a diet plan. They always go, oh, well, tomorrow, yesterday wasn't a good day. Like it never is, right? right? And I usually eat extremely strict, but I'm going to use today just because I don't care. So I woke up, I had uh, six whole eggs, and I have about 10 to a dozen egg whites and then a cup of oatmeal. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The 10 egg whites, is that in addition to the six whole eggs? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because six whole eggs is roughly 36 grams of protein. Then 10 to 12, it would have just been a hologram. That's roughly three and a half grams of protein per egg. So that's like another 35 to 40. So like that comes down to like, like I always try to eat at least 60 grams of protein per meal. That's how I break it down. If you want all the details with how much I eat. I'm fascinated. <laughs> then I eat a cup of oatmeal. Then I usually wait two hours. So today is about two hours. I went to uh, to go tan and right after I tan, I went to the gym. I did uh, back today. I worked out for about 90 minutes or so. Then I did 40 minutes on the Stairmaster. Then I came here. Then I ate uh, about 10 ounces of chicken and uh, a couple of basmati rice. Then I got a knock on the door, and my friend had sent me a tray of cookies because I don't know why, because I love sweets. I love when people gift, gift me sweets, but I hate when I get gifted sweets too much, like back-to-back, because -back. I ate a bunch of sweets at AEW after we left. And then when I get here, this girl, this cheesecake fairy chick, who makes the best cheesecakes on the planet. They make <laughs> She makes Cheesecake Factory taste like Little Caesars, Little Caesars in comparison. Okay. And she made these like banana pudding ones oh. that I've been dying to try. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, now I have to have them. I'm like, all right, let me have let me get a few of them. And I tasted it. And I was just going to taste it and save it for later. It was phenomenal. So I ate them all. And like uh, Melissa <laughs> helped. But uh, Melissa helped. so like, and then I get these cookies. I'm like, God dang it. I just I want all the sugar back to back. But they're like fresh and they're warm. 
So I'm like, okay, let me have a few of those. And then, uh, and then I saved some for later for that. But that so that's, that's actually all I've eaten so far, which I'm a little bit behind. But I have 10 ounces of ground beef cooked, re- waiting, ready for me. And I got chicken defrosted. And then I usually uh, – so I'll eat, those are the next two meals. And then I'll eat um, about a dozen egg whites again before I go to bed. Jesus. So how many calories does that usually consume a day? I, I, I don't really count, count them, but I, I, I shoot probably I average – uh, on four, around 4,000. Yeah. There'll be some higher like cheat days that go, and there's some days probably I'll eat a little less, but probably on the average, it probably shoots around 4,000. It takes twice as much to gain though, and half as much to maintain that. That's a, that's a nice little rule of thumb. Okay. We've, uh, we, we've met your, uh, we've met, I guess, uh, was it Skylar we met? Yes. 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 And you have two children, right? Nolan Skylar. Yes. 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 My son's here too, actually for summer. Right. My son Noah. Yeah. Okay. And he's 13, right? 14. 14. 14. Ooh. Just graduated junior high. Whoa. Yeah, I know. Does he brag about dad a lot? Uh, he uses me to his advantage sometimes. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you can hear me saying this, but there's one time I, I pop for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I usually, whenever I'm up in Chico, where we're from, you know, I have a spot I pick him up from school. And he goes, Hey, dad, can you like actually come up to the gate and pick me up today at this spot? And I go, I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. Why? And he goes, Uh, you know, there's just some people that don't believe that you're my dad. And I go, oh, you're trying to show me off, huh? <laughs> and, then I, and then I think about it. And then I think about it, though. It doesn't make sense because I'm like, I remember in seventh grade, actually. This is what he was in seventh grade here. I'm like, I remember actually there's a kid who was trying to say, like, they, like the giant was his dad and stuff. I'm like, get out of here. No, he's not. Like, what? And he was obviously lying. But I was like, I guess it makes sense because, like, you know, his last name, his actual, his middle name is Cage, mm-hmm. but his last name is like not Cage, obviously. And they're like, I'm not around. Like, oh, because I don't live with him and he lives. Oh, it could be. It's a, it's a very suspect story. I get it. I get it. Right. So I, I go, okay, sure. I'll go pick you up there. And I come post-workout. So I can wear like one of these, you know, nipple hanger shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, I'm all jacked and pumped up. And I go and I see him I'm like, hey, hey, where's your friends at? And he goes, oh, oh, them over there. And like, there's these four kids. They're all like mouths open like oh my god it is him and i like take a step forward to go like meet them and he goes no 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 he goes they're just he might as well call the marks but he goes no no, no. they're just some fans come on dad let's go and then we go <laughs> and he big leagues i'm like yes yeah, yeah i told you <laughs> no, that's it that's that's all you get yeah, it's tremendous <laughs> big leagued him so it's like does he shows you off but like is he a fan of wrestling uh you know what no no he's not only sometimes only sometimes <laughs> it amazed me when like uh like he would go to Lucha Underground a lot too, and sometimes he's into some of the matches. But it's usually super not his jab or jam, and not to uh, throw his throw his mom under the bus. But uh, I felt like uh, since there was a little animosity there, she wasn't the biggest fan of wrestling after we separated. So maybe that didn't help. But uh, <laughs> but it, it'd, be, it'd be crazy like he'd be there at Lucha Underground, just like not caring. Like he'd like be hanging out with Rey Mysterio and taking a picture with him, and he'd be like, "Oh, it's no big deal." He did bring a friend once who was a huge fan of wrestling, and that was good. Speaking of Ray. Because he goes, oh, my God. He's, like, marking out huge to meet Ray and get a picture with him. And he goes, you're, like, my third favorite wrestler of all time. <laughs> Third's pretty good. There's a lot of wrestlers in the world. Like, third is. It's always, it's always you're my favorite wrestler. So the fact that he was honest, he's like, you're, like, my third favorite. <laughs> he was honest. That's so good. <laughs> we are, we're talking with Brian Cage. And, Brian, uh, we, we mentioned earlier that all of us have to be marks for this business to be in it and love it. And Absolutely. You mentioned you had uh, been a, a, a backyard wrestler and you started very early your love for it. What else, uh, aside wrestling, do, do you like? I, I, we understand you like horror movies. Oh, my goodness, yes. Huge fan of horror movies. So everybody sees me and they think I'm some big, you know, just dickhead, meathead, whatever. Dude, I'm the biggest dork. I like <laughs> I don't even do a whole lot. Like, like obviously, as a young girl, I was super into video games. I still like them just as much. I don't play them as much anymore. But huge horror fan, uh, always huge wrestling fan, huge MMA fan from the get-go, uh, huge ginormous Marvel fan. I I have a, a couple of cases in my garage. I have to have them in the garage. Can't have them in the house, freaking wife. But, like, uh, they don't they don't rival several other wrestlers' collection of toys and stuff. And I, I want more, but I'm not allowed to have them more yet. But I, So, like, yeah, there's so many different things that I have that are dear to me, like trading cards, action figures, all that stuff. So I'm a big goober when it comes to all that stuff. And that's like kind of my favorite things to collect and to do. Outside of that, I mean, even just growing up, I was a big fan of uh, – or really good at football. I loved playing football, but I had no desire in playing. I was like, oh, why don't you on the team? Why don't you – you because know, I didn't want to be – I just wanted to be a wrestler through and through. And I enjoyed playing it, and I, I did Pop Warner for two years. 
and my mom put me on the team across town. So I had no friends on there, and I, I, I actually completely hated going in. Even I loved playing it like with my friends. I'm like, I, I didn't. It was way too regimented too mm. for me to. And this is just Pop Warner. But I was like, since I had no desire to actually, you know, go after it, I'm like, nah, this sucks. So like, just like with the MMA, I've always loved the MMA and I've rolled around and I've done stuff, but I have no desire to actually compete in MMA. People are like, like, like when they found out when I got signed to WWE years ago, they're like, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to go to UFC. I'm like, no, why would I go to UFC? Like, I don't, I don't want to be in UFC. So like, I have no desire. I'm a huge fan of it, but I have no desire to go to there. But yeah, so generally now, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. It's hang out, hang out with some of the fans when I'm home. And I just, I watch a lot of horror movies, a lot of, uh, Marvel movies, obviously. I'm a big movie guy. Right. Play some video games. Anytime I'm able to collect any toys, great stuff. And then working out and wrestling. Pretty simple life. I don't know. Real simple. What's your favorite Marvel movie? Oof. There's a lot of good ones. So Infinity War and Endgame are like the best just because that whole culmination and just like, wow, wow. It was just so much wow. I literally, I, I hurt my back the day before I saw Endgame. I thought I broke my back. I'm in Canada, so I'm in the ER for hours. They said I'm being like, you know, I'm next to be seen and we're sitting there and, you know, I think we got in at like 11 o'clock. It's four in the morning and I get up to go to the bathroom and we're not even in a room. We're just in some hallway as I'm like walking in the bathroom, like and I'm walking my walker. It's like Melissa tells her like a freshly repaired ACL. Like she's just two weeks post-surgery. So she's actually sitting in the wheelchair that they got for me, but I can't sit in it because it kills my back. So I'm, she's sitting in the wheelchair. So I have something to support my weight. And then I'm like zombie dragging my leg. Like, so I can't like walk, walk. Yeah, well, I push her and she's got her full like hip to ankle leg brace on. And I'm looking at all the rooms and everyone's completely out cold, sleeping. Nobody's like just checked in and nobody's going anywhere. So I'm like, I'm not being seen anytime soon. I've already been here for hours. So I go up to the front and I go, hey, I'm not being anytime, seen anytime soon, right? And they're like, oh, well, we can't say that. And I go, no, no, I'm not saying when I'm going to be seen, but it's, it's not happening anytime soon, right? And she's like, well, I came around. I'm like, okay, look, we both know it's not happening anytime I'm just going to go home now. And like, even Melissa's like, what, what if your back's broke? And I'm like, well, it's not going to heal if I stay here. What difference does it make? <laughs> so come on, let's go. I go, I go, I go back to the hotel to sleep for a couple hours because I have early tickets to Avengers first thing in the morning. And I'm like, and I'm not missing it. So I was like, I was like injury or not. And so I freaking hobbled my way in there and uh, sat down and I watched my Avengers cause I wasn't missing. I was so stoked for that. Just show my heart and dedication. But yes, those moves are amazing. But I actually think maybe, I'm like in like a more actual film, but not, not not like a big explosion CG save the world movie of Marvel universe. Logan was amazing. And it took yeah. so long for Wolverine to be done. Right. And it's unfortunate. It was like his last time he did it, that they did it right. But I love Logan. I thought it was such a simplistic storyline, but it was, it was just perfect. I loved it. Yeah. It, it was, it was different and it was well done. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, just see Wolverine actually pissed off and cussing and actually killing people like he should. Like I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> it was awesome. Like, so what's the bit? What's your favorite horror movie of all time? Do you have one? Oh my goodness, Army of Darkness. The whole Evil Dead trilogy is is my jam. Mm. Bruce Campbell is like my favorite of just celebrity. Like that's my that's my number one markout guy, if you will. I just posted a picture of him when I was like eleven teen. <laughs> but I mean, I'm a huge horror fan. My mom was a big horror fan too. That's probably why. And I watched tons of stuff I probably shouldn't have been watching when I was super little. And then I returned the favor. And my son is a huge horror fan. He's watched tons of probably way too violent, gory movies when he was like six. But, you know, whatever. Like, it just it grows hair in your chest. See, that's why I have the hair <laughs> on my chest. So Yeah. So did you like The Walking Dead? <laughs> uh, you know, it was cool. Here's my problem with The Walking Dead. Like, I've always been a huge fan of zombies and horror movies forever. Then The Walking Dead comes out. And all of a sudden, zombies are the coolest thing in the world. So, like, it's like everybody jumped on the zombie train. I'm like, yo, zombies have already been cool forever. And like, oh, but it's so cool because this guy, you know, he's asleep and he wakes up. And I'm like, oh, you mean 28 days later? Oh, you mean like 28 weeks later? Oh, you mean like this zombie? I'm like, there's nothing new about Walking Dead. It's already happened in every other zombie movie before Walking Dead. Right. So I was a little, I was a little hot. I was a little, you know, defensive of my of my horror genre, getting picked up by all these trendy hipsters. But um, it, it was it was still a good show. I really liked it. But as soon as the throwback to Army of Darkness, as soon as Ash versus Evil Dead came out, I dropped it like a freaking bad habit I'm like I, I can only watch one tv series at a time and ask first of the evil dead owned it i'm like all right and then once i get out of something i don't like i've never seen game of thrones for instance and everybody hates me for that mm. but also there's like if i haven't seen a, ser- a series and it's already been out forever and there's like a ton of episodes and seasons mm-hmm. i already know i'm never gonna watch all that so it's like all right it's already, i missed it it's too gone it's, it's far gone and that's also why i'm a big movie guy because i want to see something from start middle and end like two hours. I don't want to be like, Oh, 
you've never seen the show, you got to watch it. And there's nine seasons, and each season has 16 episodes. I'm like, I'm not going to binge watch 45 hours a week of this. Like, that's not going to happen. So I just don't even get involved. Yeah, I got 4,000 calories to pull in. Yeah, right? You know, come on. <laughs> I got I to gotta go get some curls for the girls. I can't even mess around watching this stuff. Like, let's get real. Oh, man. It's been, uh, I, I know it's been great for you being in, in AEW. It's been great for us to watch you. And uh, so this match coming up with John Moxley, uh, it's going to be pretty exciting, huh? Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it because uh, I've never worked Moxley, obviously, and I feel like this will be a total different. We just talked about how you know styles and stuff uh, implement different matches. I definitely think this is going to be a little bit out of my wheelhouse, and it'll be a, a different match than I'm used to. Right. But I'm looking forward to it, and it'll also be my first like real, true, genuine match because I've pretty much just been eating people up and haven't really, not only haven't showed much that I can do, but I haven't had an actual, you know competitive matchup so this will be a uh, those poor enhancement guys yeah <laughs> well you know it, it seems like every world title match that john moxley has had has been very physical but a very very good match so i mean i'm i know you're yeah. excited him and brody lee was awesome yeah yeah it was he and jericho were awesome yeah yeah no i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to it so and uh again because we've you know obviously never touched at all until i threw him through the car window i i don't know a whole lot of what to expect just yet but uh uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. We're looking forward to seeing you, buddy, and, and we're really, really stoked you're in AEW, man. We really are. Very much so. I mean, it's not just Tony. Like, all of us are very, very happy you're here. Finally. You know what? I'm so glad you, you – so, so when everybody, you know, my friends and other wrestlers from other places and stuff were asking me about it, that was my first thing I said that uh, that was like my – that's my new quote now for AEW. It was like, such a little gesture, but so many people, including you guys yourselves – came up to me backstage and was like, oh my gosh, we're so glad you're here and so happy to have you. And that's so easy. And so I mean, you can say that and not even mean it, but like, I've never heard that anywhere, any company, no matter how big, you know, a push I got or well used, I've literally never have heard that. And the fact that I heard it several times from several people, it's something so little, I was like, oh, wow. It just really felt appreciated. And I don't think I've ever felt that full appreciation ever in this business, which is amazing. Well, it's because we're a family. We're doing shit different. Everybody actually likes working for us. So yeah. We really do. I mean, I, I can tell. I can. T- I, it's it's been a blast. All right, Brian. Thanks for your time, buddy. No worries, man. Thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, uh, we've been talking with Brian Cage. Don't forget to subscribe to AW Unrestricted wherever you get your podcast. It's for free, by the way. Free. And you can watch uh, unrestricted video episodes on YouTube. That's right. We are on video. You should actually watch the video because uh, Brian's kid's pretty damn cute. Yeah. <laughs> she's asleep now, so she's got. <laughs> And uh, tune in to AEW Dynamite Wednesdays, 8 o'clock, 7 central on TNT, especially for part two of Fighter Fest coming up because of a big world title match coming there. I'm Tony Schiavone. I'm Aubrey Edwards. Thanks for listening to Unrestricted. Bye.